Like, what do you like most about it? I like the hustle. Okay. I like the fact that I don't do the same thing every day. Even though it seems like you're doing the same thing a lot, mm -hmm. it's different people daily. Every deal is unique. Every deal is like, it's kind of like a rush, right? Like, it's like playing like a video game or something. You got to beat <laughs> the level every time. Okay. Because a deal could fall apart, right? And got to make it work. Is it the rush of like closing the deal? Closing. Closing. I enjoy closing. So you do rentals more or sales? Luxury sales or rentals? I've done or sales both? and rentals, yes. What do you like more? I don't have a preference. It's just closing. It's, it's just, just the, closing. Is it, is it the close. check or is it the win? It's the win. It's the, the win. It's not the check, but I like it's the win. So you'll say the win, <laughs> but, it's, but it's a combination <laughs> of both. 50 -50. You get both. You get both. But yeah. All right. Highlight some of the most creative and non-traditional ways to make money in real estate. We will showcase some of the world's greatest male and female real estate developers and teach you how you can make money by using the same strategies. Now it's time to develop. Here's your host, Charles Noonan. Welcome to another episode of the Land Bank Show, where we highlight dope individuals that have made bags of money through non-traditional methods in real estate. Today, we have one of New York's own, Nina Evans. <laughs> Nina, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Nina. I'm the owner and founder of a luxury brokerage here in the Bronx. Um, we primarily focus on Mott Haven and Hudson Valley, which would be like New Rochelle, Yonkers, this basically Lower Westchester, and also the city. Awesome, awesome. So when we talk about non-traditional, right, you have luxury brand Mott Haven. Tell me how those two mix. Now, I know I'm a New Yorker, born and raised in the Bronx. So, like, I know that area is, like, next to go crazy. But tell me how the, how you decided to mix those two and, and open your shop there. Well, a couple of things. Um, I'm really good at identifying emerging markets. So, I was on the Harlem train before Harlem really took off. I was on Washington Heights train before Washington Heights hit the numbers. And I realized that you can tell in the paperwork a long time ahead. So I was privy to some of the developments um, that had been scheduled to come up. And I made a decision that I knew that this was going to be the next area. And we just needed to get a foothold in the area as it grew and redeveloped. Awesome. Awesome. How many luxury um, firms are there in that Mott Haven area? So there's not a lot of brokerages that are from Mott Haven and in Mott Haven, um, but there are a a lot of luxury buildings in the area. So we're probably like the only one that I know of that specializes in luxury in my haven. Nice, nice, nice. For those of you who don't know, give us a little history about Mott Haven. So Mott Haven is traditionally a depressed area in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. That's the right word to say. Um, it's been through a lot, but it is waterfront property. So for a long time, people just associated it with crime and lower income, and they didn't see the potential in it. But because it is waterfront property, and that always eventually cycles back in real estate. If you look at real estate, it goes up, it goes down every 25 to 50 years. You just have to know where you are on the curve. And my haven was due for another rise. Absolutely. And every time I drive, like going across 138th Street Bridge, right, I see new developments. They're like 149th, 143rd. They're just all over there. New restaurants are there, um, new supermarkets. So you really are ahead of the curve. Yes. So we have, we're so close to Manhattan that we're only 35 minutes to Midtown. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. on the train. Six train goes right to Manhattan. Four and five train goes right to Manhattan. Also on 149th Street, you have like the two and the five train, so you have access to the west side and east side, which is um, actually a unique thing in the Bronx in that area because as you travel more north, you don't have that same access to both sides at one time from one train station or one central area. Awesome. Cool, cool. So you really, you did a good job of, I'm going to say, like hedging the market, right? We did. That's something that I'm going to say I practice in my own real estate experience and in my own world. I get a lot of information from banks on where the next developments are going to be. Uh, Insurance companies tell me a lot of information too. So I use a lot of insurance brokers, banks, and developers because they obviously they have to go to the banks first to get the money. So the bankers, like my my relationships that I have with people in the banking world, they give me that information and I try to invest in areas like that. So that's a pretty good strategy that you use. You know it's coming back. Yeah, we look at the permits. We watch permits. We watch what permits are being pulled because you can't do anything without a permit, right? So (laughs) That's even better. So we watch permits. We watch to see what's being uh, a demo permit. We watch to see what's um, being filed with city planning as far as redevelopment. We watch to see what bids are going out in what areas and things like that. So then that way we know what's coming to the area, how many units are coming to the area, what Mm -hmm. kind of units are coming to the area. And then from there, we just build partnerships with small businesses in the area, make sure that we are part of the neighborhood in a real way, and then move forward with that. That's smart. And and I think you have to have like extensive experience in New York to kind of do research like that to get ahead of the market. So tell me a little bit about your history in New York. Well, in truth, I've been in real estate since I was like 17 or 18 years old, and my Mm -hmm. family owns a considerable amount of real estate. in New York and outside. So I learned because I got into property management at 18. I just started working mm-hmm. in a property management firm, a mid-sized firm in Manhattan. I got my license at 18 because I wanted to make a little extra cash on a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> what what license did you get? I got my um, New York State real estate salesperson's license, Okay. which is the first step before you become a broker. You have to have a certain amount of experience after that. But it's you take a class, a few hours, you pass your test on the state level, and your license, you find a brokerage to sponsor you, and you move forward from there. Cool. Did your family sponsor you also? No, they don't own a brokerage. Actually, my mom worked for a large property management firm and got me a job. And then, <laughs> and then my grandfather got me another job by throwing his weight around because he was on a condo board. Mm-hmm. And next place I worked at, I got a job over there. And that's where I learned a lot more about the back end of real estate from at that mid-sized firm. Nice. So so that's how you got your start, right? Um, 18, you applied for your license. You, you got it. And then you started to do sales or was it rentals i started doing rentals in battery park actually right Mm so at the time in battery park because of 9 11 the prices pricing was depressed people didn't want to move down there at all and we were trying to push those units again so i got my license so that i could be allowed to rent on the weekends by myself in the office Mm -hmm. and get my little commission checks from the office and then i was like well i could do this on a bigger scale so I got licensed by another firm, and then I started working in Washington Heights and Harlem, namely Washington Heights because I spoke Spanish. Okay. And I was like, I could close these deals. Right. Not? A lot of my leads would be people who like didn't primarily speak English and things like that, but had the money. 
and I'd say, okay, fine. I can figure out how to get this point across and started renting and getting those checks. And I was like, I'm not going back. So did you see a, like a change from people wanting to go to lower Manhattan to Washington Heights? So the thing with Washington Heights was at the time, um, Columbia Presbyterian was doing a lot of like investment up there. And so the pricing was changing a lot and they were bringing in a lot of doctors from out of town and they didn't quite have the same real estate foothold that they have now. So doctors mm -hmm. and subsidiary staff were renting and they were using brokers because they were coming from out of town. And I just became like a relocation specialist. Like if you want to come, you want to be near your job, I can find your place. I really know the area very well. Right. Awesome. Do you feel from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you're hedging like different trends in the market and things like that along your journey. Do you feel like that's something that you have to do to be successful in real estate in New York? I do think so. I think niching yourself is important. Mm. I think that you can't do everything and be everything to everyone. And if you try to, you will burn out and you won't make any money at all because there's so many different classes of customers in New York. And if you don't serve what you're doing well, you won't have the knowledge to serve it well. Hmm. Makes sense. I always say um, in, in every industry, right, in, in all the businesses that I get exposure to, I notice the people at the top, they are very like niched in their field. Like they know a specific area, like the back of their hands. They know like zip codes. They know like, there's always, I, I always say this, they know like one thing really well. So for that, um, would you say, what's the area that you would say that you know really well, like the back of your hand? Currently my haven, right? But I also know Harlem very well. I know Washington Heights very well. Mm -hmm. And I think that the part that people forget is that you have to, to your point, learn that area very well. It's not just learning like the streets, but it's learning what businesses are on the streets, who owns those businesses, yeah. uh, what, who lives over there, right? Like supporting those businesses, supporting those things like that. Walking around in that neighborhood, right? You have to kind of know what's going on in the daytime. Mm -hmm. You have to know what's going on at nighttime. To know what it looks like in the winter versus what it looks like in the summertime. Yeah. So that when your clients are asking you questions or your clients are telling you what their needs are, you are placing them in the right place because the second part is referrals, right? So I can get anyone into anything, but if they're not happy, are they going to refer me? No. So I, right. my business is primarily built upon people trusting in my integrity and telling them sometimes this is not the best product for you or I don't have a product that matches your needs. Okay. And good luck. So tell me this. What what made you decide to go luxury versus just like like a variety of things? And that goes again to the same the same concept we just talked about like niching down into luxury and when you say luxury it kind of leans to I don't do regular listings that come up <laughs> on a regular basis, right? So what made you decide that you wanted to do luxury? Well, two things, right? Um, I've worked in every aspect. I've done everything from affordable all the way to luxury, right? And I realized the amount of paperwork that they all have, right? Yeah. And I realized the amount of opportunity that's there for each level, right? And I decided what I like best and what I gravitate towards best, which for me was luxury. Okay. I, I like having products that kind of sell themselves and I like to kind of have products that I myself want to live in and I feel comfortable saying, yes, I would live here too with okay. a serious face. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's more so like, right, you're going to, you, would you agree like it's more so you want the purpose of your work to be putting people in places that you think are like quality places? 
Definitely. And I, and also there's like um, a risk reward part, right? So when you're first starting out, how much risk are you willing to put out mm-hmm. for your reward, right? And I, I learned that at different levels, sometimes the work that I had to put in wasn't worth the check that I was getting. Hopefully mm-hmm. that that changes at some point in the industry, which because it's a little unfair, but I found what worked for me and I kept doing it. Got it. Got it. Understood. Understood. All right. So you're at the point now where you're working as a real estate agent. I'm a broker. I know. No, no. But so, oh, okay. so in just your journey, right, you're, you're an agent. At what point did you decide that you wanted to be a broker and open like your own firm? So I had decided I didn't like other people in control of my dollars and my mm-hmm. destiny. And I didn't want anyone else. I wanted to expand my footprint in a different way, right? Um, And I knew that the first step was that I needed to own my own house, if you will. And I also wanted to mentor new agents and I wanted to teach people how to do what I had become great at doing and so that I wouldn't always have to do it all by myself, right? With a strong team. So part of that was I need to open my own doors. Okay. How'd that go? How'd that work? Like, how'd how'd you transition? So you've always been in real estate since 18? Not I've done other things, but primarily yes, I've been real in estate. and out of real estate. Right. As it goes up and down, you probably added on some stuff. Yeah, added on a job here, a job there. <laughs> but for the most part, real estate is where it's been. Yes. Right. So what what started that transition? Was it like one thing, like some event happened, or did you just was that the plan all along? Well, that was the plan for a little while and then finally I was like, it's time to jump out the window. Like mm-hmm. you know, I didn't like the commission splits that I had with the brokers that I had. And I was like, I do all of the work. Why right. am I paying them so much? Right. I could just do this myself if I just have my own brokerage. So I, that's kind of where it started at. Because I was going out building my own relationships, building my own <laughs> list. I'm like, why am I paying for it? It's usually something like that, yeah. right? It's usually, and this it's, it's, a, it's a common theme, right? It's people are fine with doing the work. Right. I, and, and most industries is very similar. People are fine doing the work. But when it comes to the paycheck, then they're looking like, all right, this this isn't that's where it gets uneasy, <laughs> where it's like, all right, I got to give them X amount and they're making X amount. I'm making this much, but I did all the work. Correct. So after a few checks came in, big, bigger <laughs> deals. Well, the thing was, is that I, I also found that I wasn't getting the mentorship, right? Okay. So I'm like, I'm paying you for what? Right? Because yeah. I was okay with the commission splits when I was being mentored and I was right. learning and I was like, okay, great. You know, like there's value for dollars here. Right. When you're not getting mentorship or you can't get your supervising broker on the phone and you're yeah. having to wing it and you're having to build networks and call other brokers from other brokerages. At some point you're like, why am I like, why am I, what am I paying you for? Yeah, I'm not I get do it. This. <laughs> no, you, you realize, right. Yeah. That you, so here's the thing. It kind of made you build the building blocks to now go out and, and, and create your own company. Correct. Right. So there's always a neck. There's always a positive in something like that because it makes you, it forces you to grow a little bit more. And then look what you've grown into right now. You have your own luxury luxury shop, which I absolutely love. And um, <laughs> you got to tell me, you, you have to tell me and also my audience, like what's the process to becoming a real estate agent? So it's actually a, a quick course. It's like 75 hours in New York. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's 500 to a thousand dollars. And I think a thousand dollars if you buy every ad on possible, right? <laughs> but if you're good with just like getting the bare materials and reading, you can probably pay about five hundred dollars for the course. You okay. take the seventy five hour course, you take the school test that you got licensed, pre licensing course okay. from. And then you get that certification and you go to the state, you take a state test. The state test is like fifty dollars. And you pass that. It's pass or fail. You have to know like seventy percent of the information. Pass or fail, if you pass, you're licensed, right? And then the next step is you have to find a sponsoring brokerage that mm-hmm. you can hold your license. And it goes from there. So is the course online only? No, they have online courses and in-person courses. You can look up at Department of State um, mm-hmm. licensing, and they will give you the list of all the schools based on county okay. um, that are accredited for the course. But you can do all of it online. You can. You can do I went to New York Real Estate Institute and I was I did my I did my courses in person back then it was mm-hmm. only 35 hours it has since changed but you can do it online. You don't <laughs> have to do it in right. person. Right. Is that somewhere in the 30s? Like 35th Street, 39th It's in the 30s. Street? Yeah, yeah. All I right. There. I went there for um I went there a long time ago for my license. <laughs> I actually got it. But I never used it. Oh, no. Come yeah, see. so I got it. That's how I know it is. It's like yeah. REI. NY REI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so They're very for, popular, actually. They probably do the most marketing. Yeah. Right? Like if you Google New York State real estate exam or license or whatever, they pop up. So that's how I, um, I got it. But I just, I didn't use it. I, I, I was more so on the landlord side and I just continued to invest and buy and grow my portfolio. But um, I didn't get to I didn't get to use it. Come yeah. On. So you get your license. If anybody wants to follow in your footsteps, right? You get your license. Now, what's the process to becoming a broker? That I never did, and I don't know. <laughs> so there's a certain level of transactions, right? And it's a combination of points, if you will, right? I shouldn't air quote the points. It is points. Um, the points can either be generated by dollars per transaction. Or they can be generated by a combination of experience. So in my case, I had property management experience. I did have dollars per transaction under my belt. And that allowed me to qualify as a broker. So basically, they want to know that you know the industry and that you are qualified to advise other people and to mentor other people in an advisory space in the industry. So once you sell or do a certain dollar amount of transactions, you can now go test and... Correct. I think it's two years... I took it so long after the time period, but I believe it's two yeah. years. And that dollar amount and or um, mm-hmm. management experience amount and or the combination of both, right? Yeah. And then you take the, it's another class, of course, like another 30 or 35 hours. Yeah. And then it's another test with the state. <laughs> and then you pass that test again, pass or fail. And now you can have your own business. And you can open up your own real estate brokerage. You're Correct. a broker. You can hire... I can hire agents and do whatever I can. You know, they're independent contractors. Mm -hmm. They don't technically like they're not employees, but I can supervise agents. Yes. And they can work under my brokerage. Nice. What is the best part, right, of being a real estate broker in New York City? Hmm. Like, what do you like most about it? I like the hustle. Okay. I like the fact that I don't do the same thing every day. Even though it seems like you're doing the same thing a lot, mm-hmm. it's different people daily. Every deal is unique. Every deal is like, 
it's kind of like a rush, right? Like it's like playing like a video game or something. You gotta beat <laughs> the level every time. Okay. Because a deal could fall apart, right? And gotta make it work. Is it the rush of like closing the deal? Closing. Closing. I enjoy. Closing. So you do rentals more or sales? Luxury sales or rentals? I've done or sales both? and rentals. Yes. What do you like more? I don't have a preference. It's just closing. It's, it's just, just closing. The, is, it, is, like is it the close. check or is it the win? It's the win. It's the, the win. It's not the, the check, but I like it's the win. So you'll say the win, <laughs> but it's a combination <laughs> of both. 50, 50. You get both. You get both. But yeah. All right. So, what's the worst part about it? It's awesome. That but, you said that's the best part too. It's the best part too, but you have to remember, like, I think for some people they've worked long enough that they don't understand that like if you take a day off yeah you lose money right if you decide to check out you lose money there's no safety net right mm. so the best part is yes you close you make this money it's the exhilarating thing it's the hustle of like yes i made this thing happen this is my thing but then the worst part is like what's your downtime like what's right. your what's your personal life like it's a little bit more difficult at that level. Do you feel like you're doing like a lot of hours when you say it gets into your personal? Yes, you work all the time. Give me a number. So this is the stuff that I don't know. A number. This is the stuff that I'm going to say my audience doesn't know. Like to be in New York City practicing real estate, right? I look at you as like the queen of Mott Haven, <laughs> the, that whole Harlem area. Um, Mott Haven, we talked about your history of where you lived and where you have your expertise. So I want people to know, like, it's not just all glitz and glamour where you just connecting people to apartments and units and selling them. But there's a lot behind the scenes. So help me understand, like, give me an hours. What does that look like for you on a weekly basis? I don't count them. It'll make me sad if I count them, but it's a it's lot. It's that many? <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Like I wake up at like probably like six in the morning, seven in the morning, get up, check emails. By like eight or nine, I'm like responding to ad inquiries. Okay. By 10, 11, I am trying to post new ads, post new material, or yeah. go out and film content or whatever, by like maybe 12, one, I start seeing clients. I might see clients till like seven o'clock at night sometimes. Right. And then I come home and I'm making sure that the applications went out and that the applications that I got in are out and the offer letters are written and all that other stuff. And if it's a sale, it's an offer letter, right? So you have to stop what you're doing right then and there, send an offer letter because it's time sensitive. The longer it takes you to get it in, you might not, yeah. it's a timing thing, right? Oh, so there, there's a lot it, of parts to it. It's a lot of moving parts and it's kind of like it goes all day. So also don't forget, like we met at a networking event. And you go to networking that events. That went to like what time? I like, don't know. Like what's like 10? 10. That was on a rooftop in uh, Correct. 20 something street. Correct. Yeah. The high bar, was it? Yeah, we were at high bar. That's so, a beautiful spot. But I think I stayed there too long for myself. <laughs> and I usually shut down at like four. It might be like three, four o'clock. No, I don't even get to, I don't have that. Because then afterwards, and then it's the board. So I'm a, I'm a member of the Greater Harlem Real Estate Board. I'm a member of Oh, Kyrak. nice. So you have board meetings. You have, well, not you. I yeah. have board meetings. 
I have um, different networking events because you are growing your brand, right? And you are building brand recognition and mm -hmm. you're getting people to know your business. Because again, people can't buy from who they don't know, right? You can't rent with who you don't know. You can't co have a consult with someone you don't know. You have mm -hmm. to be out there. So that's another component to it, right? So where's the time to just relax? It's All right. So I didn't know that. I thought I'm I'm wired in in a very like systems and process way where when I do a business, I really try to do it um, to where I could kind of like remove myself and have it run without me and then kind of peek in, make sure like my job is to kind of work on my business. And then the way I structured the land bank team, right? It runs, it's the community runs itself throughout the week. I have mentorship calls on Tuesdays from nine to maybe 1030. And that's my like responsibility. <laughs> that's my, that's my hourly, jealous. weekly <laughs> responsibility. I've never missed a call. Right? <laughs> and um, I could do it from anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. So I've done calls from like Ghana. I've done, which was, I think was like three something in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, from Italy, I've done calls, but. Trying to make me mad right now. <laughs> a lot goes into the call though, right? So I'm, I'm responsible for those people buying uh, land bank properties. And sometimes they want them in different parts of the country. So it's, it's, it's not easy, but you know, I, I, I do the homework before I show up on the call. So it's not like, you know, I just come to work once, once <laughs> one hour per week. But I didn't know that that you guys work that many hours. And is that just like the life of what it is and you love it? So it's so not even considered I hours? you eat what you kill, right? Mm -hmm. So because you eat what you kill, if you don't want to eat that much, you don't have to kill that much. Right. I like to eat. You motivated, um, driven. I like what I like. Also, we're scaling, right? So we're growing yeah. our business in a different direction. So that's another thing why I'm so hands-on. We're building, I really am working to build our brand so that team members can come and rely on the brand like they rely on the brand of larger Ooh, boutiques. Right. What the thing that people don't realize is that when you're a smaller boutique firm, you have to build that trust with muscle, right? Yeah. I don't have the big name of like Keller Williams behind me. I don't have the big name of Corcoran behind me. It's just Nina at Evergreen, right? So right. You, you have to like me and know me. I have to face forward and building that. So I put a lot more hours in than somebody who just goes, oh, I work at this nice. firm that's already known. No, it makes sense. But you know what? Once you build it, it's your brand. It's my right? brand. Correct. It's your brand. It's your relationships, their personal relationships. And those go a lot further because um, what I've always learned and experienced, um, growing and building your own company and your own brand versus being a part of a bigger brand is that you, you're able to give like customized, unique experiences that the bigger brands can't. Right. You give that one to one service where bigger brands, sometimes you just looked at as a unit and they have so many systems and processes together that it's kind of hard to, to be unique and not give that cookie cutter approach with a unique shop like you have. Um, you able to kind of like give that customized one to one service. Correct. We believe in integrity. Mm -hmm. I always say I'm not going to lie to my clients. Right. I don't, I'm not as interested in the con contract as a whole as I am interested in making sure that people are 
happy and satisfied and can walk away from experience with myself or my team saying, huh, I really, I'll call them back if I need something else, right? Right. It's a great thing. So part of that is knowing when to say no, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes some things, everything is not something you can take on. And it's also knowing what your limitations are or what your niche is, right? So when I first started, everyone would call me and I would feel bad. I try to help everyone, right? Like, yeah. you call me, I'm like, I'll figure it out. And I had to start saying, no, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Good luck on your search. Ooh. The best words I ever learned were good luck on your search. <laughs> is that what you tell them? <laughs> yes. Goodbye. Love, because love, love, love. this is the thing, right? If I can't serve you, why waste your time? Good luck on your search sounds like you don't want to serve or go search no, somewhere else. No. Some people it sounds listen, like it's not in your wheelhouse. Part of the time people just ask you for things that are just non existent, right? Okay. And you can't I manage people, right? So I can tell you what the market has. This is what you want, this is what the market has. If you are insistent on something that is non existent, mm-hmm. I cannot help you. And what's the slogan you tell them? Good luck on your search. <laughs> I love it. You know, you get people sometimes who have found things or have gotten, you know, New York is the the town of the homie hookup, right? So you have people who have gotten Kinda. like sublets and these, it got these great deals, right? Like I have a sublet in Midtown and he's only paying $1,200 a month Midtown East. And I'm like, Good luck on your search. I don't have anything for you. I don't even know. Right. That's not. <laughs> if he's renting, <laughs> let me know too, right? Let me know too. I want to move in too. Oh, so sometimes funny. it's it's situations like that where we're just like, rather than exude energy yeah. and, and waste your time and hours on something that we know mm-hmm. categorically because we know what we're good at, right? Yeah. That's not something we have. It's not something that we see on the market. It's not, we've built relationships with people who have other things, right? So- None of my That's friends awesome. have it. I don't have it. Yeah. And the market doesn't have <laughs> the it. Market so, doesn't the market doesn't have it. All right, Nina, give me one second. I have to I have to acknowledge our sponsors. So one of our sponsors, unsoldland.org. Unsoldland.org is the place that I go when I want to buy land. Um, it's a one-stop shop for everything land. It has two options to buy properties. You can buy through the own it now process where you or buy it now process where you just click and you actually purchase the property. Or they do, I think, daily and weekly auctions where you can actually participate in an auction and grab a property there. Our other sponsor, Star Homes of Coleman, Alabama. Star Homes is your one-stop shop for everything. Tiny homes, manufactured homes, modular homes for sale. They're located in Coleman, Alabama, but they cover like that tri-state area. So anything in the South, I recommend you call my guy, Adam. Tell him Charles sent you and that you got his information from the Land Bank show and uh, he will find that home. They also will build homes. They'll build the concrete slab as well as put those modular manufactured homes right on top of your property. All right. Now, good luck on your search, right? That means not in my wheelhouse. No, thank you. Not wasting my time on this thing. Or it's not so harsh. No, good. That's what good luck. So in New York, that's what good luck on your search means. Well, it also means sometimes like you're not allowing yourself to be well managed, right? You're not allowing yourself to be well managed. Correct. Okay. So you're asking for something or making a demand for something, and you're asking for someone with expertise who's mm-hmm. telling you this is what's available, yeah. and you're determined. 
to create what's not there. Got it. And I think that as a business owner, not just in real estate, but across the board, sometimes you have to know like this thing is not there. Mm-hmm. Or if it's there, I don't have the capacity for it, right? right. So we try to help you as much as we can. Because if I don't do it, I would say I know somebody who does, right? So yeah. that's part of building a network. So maybe you ask me for something. I'm like, that's not in my wheelhouse, but Charles does that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about hmm. land banks, but Charles does. Call Charles. I'll put you right. in touch, right? But if you're calling me for something that I've reached out, yeah, it's not there. Say it one more time. <laughs> Make me sound terrible. <laughs> Luckily, it's hurt. It's such a nice. Hopefully, way to we say can it. help you in the future. All right. So, so for the audience watching, right? On the, on, give me. We talked about the hours that you put in, right? We talked about some of the benefits from a financial perspective. Give me like average deal price, or 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 should we say like commission price or check or I'll say deal price. For people that may be interested in hopping into real estate, going through the process and becoming a broker, what are some of the deal or or check amounts that people can look forward to getting into? Okay, so just numbers because I'm going to do mental math. I don't have my phone in front of me. Let's say if you sell a house that's a hundred thousand dollars, which is, does not exist in New York, um, not in the five boroughs anyway. Um, you would typically get 3% of that, right? Because it's 6% of that. Okay. So it would be split between the two brokerages, 3% of $100,000 is what you would make on that deal, right? Okay. And that scales up throughout. So, and then on the rental side, you can, there is no standard in real estate for commission also. That's another thing that people don't realize is that it's whatever the deal is negotiated, right? There are things that people typically negotiate, but we're not allowed to collude a price. Okay, so let me just take a step back because that was a lot. It's a lot. I caught that. Yeah, because I'm doing math real quick in my head, and I know the prices are probably like more so than like so starting five. A, yeah, five, six, seven, eight, nine, a yeah. million is really what I see. That's those mm-hmm. are like one bed, one family too, by the way. Correct. All right, so it's six percent or three percent. So typically, there's two agents on the deal, right? Okay. So the listing agent negotiates the gross commission. So the listing agents typically will try to negotiate 6%, but that is a number that could be 5%, it could be 4%, but let's just say at the- Six is the most. Higher end of it or more common end of it is 6%, right? Okay. You have a cooperating agent or broker and that's someone, maybe you're the seller and you get the buyer's broker and the selling broker will tell the buyer's broker, if you bring me a buyer, I'll give you half of my commission, right? Okay. So that's how the buyer's broker gets their 3%. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you have to pay the buyer's broker directly if you are that, but you have to so negotiate all that. If you're an agent, right, and you're buying and you're selling a house of someone that someone else is listing, do you get the whole 3% or do you have to now split that with your broker? With your broker. How does that split work? Typically, Whatever is that half and half too? Whatever's negotiated. So, so everybody is a, running around New York City as an agent, but some may get 1%, some may get one and a half correct. to something in that yeah. area. So, yeah. So let's just say that um, it's usually a tiered split based on your experience, right? Newer agents typically wind up with a 50-50 split with their broker because they're just getting a lot of mentorship and things like that. So, yeah. So newer 
agent may get of that 3%, 1.5%. Okay. A more experienced um, agent may be getting 2.5 or 2% of that 3%, depending okay. on what they have going on. All right. Cool. On the rental side, this did not pass me. You said there's no cap on how much you can charge. So that's, there's a cap on what people will pay though, right? There's never a cap on what you can charge, but there's a cap on what people will pay. So there's people who pay 15% of the annual. Yeah. So if it's, you know, you take the monthly rent to multiply that by 12 okay. and then 15% of that of is that. what the broker is charging you as the fee. And then you have some brokerages nice. that charge one month. Some brokerages charge a month and a half. So, and like I said, every deal is different. So there's no standard. So it's really, when I talk to a client, I ask them when they're comfortable with paying, right? Like, are you comfortable paying a fee? If so, what fees are you comfortable up to what amount? Right. And then it's a decision if you want to take on that client or not. So you don't have a set fee. You'll ask that. And if they say, how does that go though? It's like, if they really want to move, if they're like, hey, I love this apartment. I know this area is changing. I want to be right over the water, right next to the six train, the four, five, six or whatever to go right downtown or whatever. They're motivated. So are they willing to pay up to 15? Well, we are luckily we have partnerships with almost every luxury building in the air area. So we don't have to charge. I know. <laughs> I know. You just got to be qualified. Oh, wait. We don't so got to charge a, you. There's another side. So there's another side where the landlord pays us. All right. So look, this is really good from an educational perspective. So you can get paid. Can you get paid from the... No. You see where I'm going? You answered that real quick. You used to be able to. They changed the law. All right. So you have to decide. Am I going to charge the, the client? The client? Or, or the, the landlord. Landlord. I would advise if you could charge a landlord to charge a landlord. So the landlord's going to pay more than a client? No, but... Or it just makes the deal easier? It makes the deal easier. And go faster. You're, it makes it easier. It makes it more likely to close, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not dealing with... I'm dealing with a certain price point, and that becomes very expensive. Yeah. And even if you have it, doesn't mean you want to spend it, right? So if you're yes. thinking about you're spending 4000 a month in rent, and then... you. Like 12%, 15% yeah. of that is a lot, right? So I think in New York, though, and I guess the markets change, right? I haven't rented an apartment in a long time, but I used to just be prepared to pay one rent, one, one or two securities, and a broker fee. It was like that was just common. So that's Has no longer it legal. changed that much, huh? That's no longer legal. Really? You can only pay one month security legally. Everywhere? In New York, in New York you can only legally pay one month security. Oh, they can't charge you two months security through that. Those days are over. Nice. How uh, long has it been since that changed? Oh, please don't make me quote. I don't remember, but it's been a little while now. And then, so you might have one month's rent, one month security typically. And then you can charge a broker's fee. And like I said, the broker's fee might charge one month. Yeah. They may charge up to 15% of the annual. They may charge, like, they can charge whatever they want. It's just whether or not you're going to pay them, right? Nice. That's cool. So now you have, and I kind of feel like I remember the game changing a little bit because I moved into a building on the Upper East Side called the Monterey on, I think it's like 90, 96 and second or third, 96 Mm -hmm. between third and Lexington. And I didn't pay a lot outside of rent to get in. Mm -hmm. I went like um, a broker got it for me, but I don't think I paid 
a, a, like a lot on the back end, like security and whatever. Sometimes there are deals. Like currently where I'm at, a lot of the buildings that I work with have security deals where you're only paying maybe $500 security or $99 security. Some of them still- For luxury have. buildings? Yeah. And then the building is paying you- Correct. Up to 15, what's no, common, building, one month or typically maybe? Typically the building pays you one month. Okay. Right, so the building is paying. So if the apartment is four thousand, the building's gonna cut me a check for four thousand, right? Quickly. Define quickly. <laughs> like here's the lease no, they sign. No, no. You gotta invoice them. It's a process. Like a month. Yeah, but net thirty. But you're getting a whole month's rent. Correct. What is and hopefully you don't mind me asking you this. What's the highest amount of rent that you've rented an apartment for? Seven thousand. Seven thousand. Seven thousand a month. <laughs> so you know the building, right? Correct. You work whatever out with the owner of the building or management company. Correct. They list, they show they give you their list of open apartments. Mm -hmm. You did an ad. Somebody called you and said, Hey, I'd like to see the apartment. I'd like to rent it or whatever. Correct. And Mott Haven is small. Mm -hmm. Harlem's right across that bridge. <laughs> like like that bridge is like a two minute drive, right? Mm -hmm. Not even. So you took somebody, or do you meet them there, or are they come into your office first? So I do. I meet them at the properties. There's no. There's very rarely a reason for anyone to come to my office. Honestly, this could tell you how tech. how long it's been since I rented tech. an apartment. It's tech. They, uh, applications are done online. Yeah. I've marketed on Facebook. I market on TikTok. I market on. Um, Facebook Wait, you stuff. don't have to give all your, like your. No, I mean, everyone does that, right? Okay. So social media is a big thing. You have to pull in your clients, but also getting people to know you, right? So shameless self-promotion. Like everywhere I go, I'm like, hey, I'm a broker. Mm -hmm. If you need anything, let me know. If you want to move into the area, let me know. And like I said, I'm very visible in the area, right? So like you can catch me at any of the small businesses over there. So typically people who have an interest in the area meet me organically or refer friends, family organically to the area. So look. I'm wired a certain way, right? You talk about seven thousand dollars. So they call you do your marketing, right? Correct. They call your phone directly. Correct. Or how are they going to catch up? This is crazy. So they call your phone, and this is all uptown. Like, what's the furthest lowest you go? I mean, I'll do anything. I've worked in Hudson Yards too, but I primarily focus on like Mott Haven, Harlem. At least, like. 106 and up? Mm, I kind of go wherever my client goes. Wherever they want. Yeah, okay. it depends. I'm client-centered, so it's, it's not right. so much area-centered as client-centered. All right, you're not getting away without without <laughs> explaining this to me. So you advertise the apartment, $7,000, right? Correct. You don't own the building. No. At all. Mm -mm. You're a broker. Mm -hmm. The person, you do the marketing... The person calls you, Nina, I like that apartment. I want to see it. You tell them then to just meet me there. You give them the address and you tell them to meet me there. I do some, I ask some questions first. Qualifying questions. Qualifying questions. When first. you list the units, though, you list the price, the rent? Yeah. All right. If so post in it, their so mind. They know how much it is. Right. In their mind, they know what it is. And mm -hmm. in their mind, they're saying they qualify, right? Because, or they're saying they can afford it because they want to look at it. I mean, they qualify, but yes, they think that they can afford it. Correct. Okay. Well, they're prepared to pay seven grand. Correct. So now you you hop on a train, Uber, whatever. Go to the place. They say they like it. Correct. 
You then walk them to management. Is management typically on site? Mm -hmm. Always on site? Well, some places, yes, some places, no. But they're also, like I said, everything's online. So what happens is that they schedule a tour with me. I have a pre-qualifying questionnaire mm -hmm. just to verify that they have the income and credit and all the stuff that management is looking for. Um, for affordability that they're likely to be approved, right? Because right. I don't want to waste their time or mine. And then I get there and I'm like, hey, let's see the units. Some buildings I have keys to, some buildings I just have. Codes, access. Yeah, have access to. So we'll go, we'll tour, I show them the apartment, I show them the amenities, I expect them the fee schedules or whatever else is necessary. I Sometimes if they're not familiar with the area, I'll walk the area with them and say, hey, this is here, mm. this is there, this is kind of like what's going on over here. And then after that, they say, hey, I want to apply. And I'm like, great, let me send you the link. And I send them the link so, and they go from there. Is that like the sale? Like are you, so you think they're a good fit. Now you're saying, all right, look, this this area, this community is good for you because you got your laundry right here, you got the dry cleaning, you got doctors are like everything this community they got all the foods all the bars and now you're selling it or is does it sell itself or you don't just think like, i have to sell it right no? i think that i have a, a resource of information right which is you like the space you like aesthetically what the space looks like you come you see it in person to make sure it matches with what the pictures or videos look like right mm -hmm. and then after that i'm like hey are you familiar with the area right and if they're like no, I just came because I like the price point or I wanted to check out something new. I'm like, okay, great. Let's introduce you to the area a little bit better right. so that you could decide if this is where you want to live at or not because it is a community, right? And it's not just about renting the apartments. It's about, hey, join the community. This is what's going on over here. Because again, back to integrity, you need to be comfortable where you're about to live. I, I'm not going to usher you in and out of the building yeah. and try to go, don't look this way, don't look that way, right? right? Like, you want them to envision themselves. Yeah, this is your new home. home. Let's go. But it's not really selling. You're giving the information. Providing the information that I built, right? Like, so I could walk you into some of the restaurants and the owners know me and the staff knows me. And hey, yo, give them a... And good. then when they say yes, you direct them or walk them to management. How, it's how a link. fast it's is a, a link? link? It's a link. You I just boom. You send them the send link. Send an email. An email. It's an email. For them to apply? Correct. Does it have your, your so you have your own link that has your. So I'm registered with management. So it's, right. it's once it comes from me that this is the client, this is I yeah. register the client. That's part of the pre-qualification. I get the information that I need to register you yes. as a client. So once you're registered as my client with the property, it, it's not anything the client has to worry about. It's my job on the back end to make sure that stuff is taken care of. How fast. And we're going to make some brokers out of this, I'm telling you, at $7,000. How fast do does management make the decision? Depends on the landlord. Some landlords are run by AI, which is becoming increasing. Automatic but, approval? Automatic approvals. Um, wow. Some landlords are still doing it with a team in the back office. So it just depends on which building you apply for. And what are they doing? Income verification and pay stubs? I mean, income pay verifications, stubs, credit? Bank statements credit and um, taxes one to three days you get an answer depends on the landlord but it could be that fast all right so now if we rewind back you saying like there's a rush to when you get a deal to when you win and close and all of that stuff now i see it clearly right you you get the listings or you call hey what listings you have or they show them you post them 
your phone rings, you go right down the block and show it. It's in the link. And you've made $7,000 off of that regularly. Yes. Oh, man. All right. So I'm happy I asked you to explain to everybody how they become a real estate agent. Now, here's the thing. Are you hiring? I am hiring. Awesome. 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 All right. Cool. I love. We're hiring licensed agents, though. License agents, license. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to clarify, I'm not hiring. Yeah, no, we you told the process, yeah. so at least they'll know what they have to do to get a job with you. But I, I feel like, I know you said it's not system and process and it's custom and boutique, but I feel like, and this is just, again, how I'm wired, you could put some really cool systems and processes in place and some key metrics in place to really, like, go crazy in oh, the world do. of real estate, oh, especially in New York and how transient it is. So I think the first thing is the most important process is knowing your products, right? So yeah. taking the time to go through every building, know its draws and know its drawbacks, right? Mm-hmm. Like what's the pushback going to be about this building or what's not likable? And then the second thing is like knowing your landlords, right? right. Knowing how fast they are or how not fast they are, right? Um, so that when clients are coming to you and they're saying, it's the 28th and I need to move by the first, I like this building. You're not going to get an answer by the first at that building. Yeah. You're going to get an answer by the first on this building. So if you would like to move by the first, we're going to look over here as opposed to over there. So it's about product management, right? And then the last part is on the back end, there's like billing and stuff like that. So I have a system in place to keep my billing up to date and to keep, because it, you can rent all day. If you don't send an invoice, you're not getting paid, right? Oh, that billing. Oh, trust me. <laughs> so you I don't to... think there's many that's going to forget on a, forget yeah. out or miss out on the $7,000. Yeah, but you ha- you're busy, right? So you have to... Not that busy. Not $7,000 sure. busy. Make sure you send out the invoice. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think everybody in here will be like... But not everything All right, is so yeah. Uh, but not everything is seven. So some of we start at... I think the lowest is like maybe 2500 to $3,000, mm-hmm. right? And it goes up to that seven range. And so, there are apartments. Hey, listen, seven is not even that much money in New York City, right? Because I know. I've seen things for rent that were 150000 a month. I know. So I'm like, we try to grow. We are growing. We are not there yet. We are trying to get there. Is it just a matter of you getting like connected with the buildings? Connected with the people? Because you have the clientele, right? So you have that. You have not to, if you're doing ads, I would just market the hell out of a. Yeah, so but at I a certain live, level, it's you do market, right? It's marketing, and then there's referral, right? At a certain level, I think like you have to be in the right rooms, which is why we go to networking events and we meet people because we want to meet people who can afford. <laughs> I always wonder why y'all network month. so much. Yeah, like <laughs> like seriously. Because the like, thing, like, I need to meet people who can afford that, right? So, but, like, and not all of my clients just come from an ad. Some of my clients come from me being out in the streets. And it's like, oh, what do you do? And I do this. And it's like, oh, great. Um, I've had clients that I've met at different functions that may do other things completely. We got to do a part two because y'all agents and brokers meet way too much. Y'all network way <laughs> too much for me. I'm more so system process. Hire agents, make your calls, do your ads, rent your apartments. Why we keep meeting <laughs> our competition and everybody else? I never not, understand there's, there's why y'all a, network so much. There's enough money for everyone, right? And so you're not really my competition, right? Because you do what you do very well, and I do what I do very well. And so 
Why are we talking? We can... Why are we networking and y'all be drinking? Hold y'all, on. y'all have the best networking events. So. Don't say that Real that estate happened. agents drink the most. <laughs> Real estate agents in New York City drink the most and have the best networking events ever. But they do it far too often. It's because we don't but. have a life, okay? We drink because we don't have a life. But so, for example, this is why we, we network, right? Like, you have a land bank, correct? I have a land bank team. Team, I, right? And we have right? land bank houses. Hold on. You have a house. From that you get at the land bank, right? Yes. And you have a team member who wants to liquidate, right? Yes. Instead of that team member Googling me and hoping to land on my page and my company's page, I met your team member at a networking event. So now mm-hmm. when they're like, hey, I want to get rid of this house, I have a house in Lot Haven that I just bought from a land bank. I don't know if they, you know, whatever. I no, know Nina's. They're in, more in a capital region. I, I know, but I'm All just right. saying, in, in theory, right? This is a theoretical. Yes. I know her. I know who she is. I know how she handles business. I like her as a person. So when I need to sell my house, I'm going to call Nina and say, hey, Nina, guess what? Um, I have a property that I need to list. Can you come take a look at it? Would you be willing to list it, right? And that's how you do business. The other part is I can't be everywhere, right? Talking about niching down, right? So I'm not heavily necessarily in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. or Long Island or Queens, but I know someone who is. So if I meet you as an entity at a at a place and you say, hey, Nina, I was looking for a brand new house. I want a mini mansion on Long Island. Right. And I say, no problem. I know someone who can help you. And we do referral business. So what people don't realize is that on the back end, you still get a check from that, right? Oh, so cool. I can call the agent who I know knows Long Island, like the back of their hand and say, hey, I have this client. Mm-hmm. He's qualified. He wants a mini mansion. His budget is $10 million. Right. Can you help him? And they're like, yeah, I got this house. I'll give you a pers- 1% of the deal for the referral. Right. All right. All right. All right. Now it, it makes, makes sense. sense. It makes sense. Cool. It makes sense. I would just try to rent every single unit in that $7,000 building. <laughs> physically do it. I don't see why not. Because you're tired. I would do all the marketing. Because you're tired. For seven thousand dollars. So here's the thing. For showing, I would just. I would just. I would tell move you this next door to that building, right? right? <laughs> oh, and be like, "Yeah, so when you want to come see it, come see it right now." So this is the thing, right? And I tell everyone, you can pre-qualify to narrow down. Yeah. Kind of like, not so serious people, right? But everyone is not a win. So every time you show a unit, doesn't mean that you're renting that unit, right? So I may go out on a tour or I might be out on tours for like 20 hours a week, 30 hours a week. Before it gets rented. Before it gets rented. Okay. Right? Got it. So you have to like kind of, and you have that one, you have ones that are 4,000, you have ones that you're working on a myriad of things, right? Mm -hmm. So you're doing all these different tours. You have like six people who saw this apartment. Not And by the way, not every apartment you get is worth what they're asking for, right? You're still going to sell it. I guess so. Some of them are. Some of them are not. I've had ones that weren't, right? But because I have a relationship with the landlord and they have a whole bunch of <clears> other <throat> products mm-hmm. that are easy to sell or or worth, or worth what they're asking for, when that landlord drops off that difficult one, you don't, if you want to preserve your relationship, you don't get to say, <laughs> right, I'm right, not doing right. that one. It's hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get it. I get it. I get it. All right, cool. <clears throat> so for the audience, if anybody, anybody sees value in becoming a real estate agent, 
and probably getting some mentorship from Nina, tell them how to find you. So we are on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. N-I-N-A-L-E-I-G-H Realty, R-E-A-L-T-Y. So it's at Nina Lee Realty. Find me on Instagram. Um, I am on TikTok at L-U-X-E-L-I-F-E-M-E, Lux Life Me. Mm-hmm. I just got that one. And <laughs> I don't recall the other one that I have. We're going to put the link under the We'll put a link. Uh, we'll put a link to the I, other one. I hired someone to help me with But that. are you mostly are you mostly on Instagram? I'm mostly on TikTok and TikTok? Instagram and So they could shoot you a message there. Yeah, if you if you message me on Instagram, I'll see it fastest. I'll see Instagram before I see TikTok. Awesome. Hit her up on Instagram. She is doing big things, non-traditional. This I learned so much about what you guys do as brokers today. Um, non-traditional ways, people that make a lot of money through non-traditional ways through real estate. So I appreciate you coming, Nina. Um, we have to do part two. There's so much to learn and so much to unpack (laughs) in what you taught me and what we talked about too. So guys like subscribe, comment on this episode of the land bank show until next episode. Thank you. show with charles newman please leave a review for this podcast and give it five stars also follow on instagram at charles j newman and share with others as we want to share these unique strategies with developers across the world